0: Enterprise Intelligence is a weekly video series that talks to industry experts, global thought leaders, and seasoned knowledge workers about how they're tackling their information challenges, embracing new technologies, and moving the needle on performance. Hosted by Shiny Docs founder and CEO Jason Cassidy.
1: I'm here today with Trevor Banks. He comes with significant recognition, for his change management products that address the realities and practicalities of information and data initiatives his products have been widely adopted through the government of canada he's a long-standing member of the information management community who has contributed significant amount of professional and personal time and energy fostering a community of spirit professional development and strategic strategic direction currently as the part of the government's new digital ambition agenda he's leading the development of new information and data management job descriptions for use throughout the government of Canada. Thank you, Trevor. It's great to talk to you again.
0: Hi, Jason. Great to be here. Pleasure to be here. Yeah.
1: Please tell me about the digital ambition and and what are you hoping to achieve?
0: I think the simplest way of describing it is the government is an oil tanker and it has a vision of changing to a cruise ship. So the digital ambition swallows up all that we've been talking about for the last, what now, Seven years, probably longer, but for the mainstream of us, seven years. And it's the idea of transforming the services. So you're really going from analog ways and processes to not even electronic, but digital. Because digital comes with a whole mindset. It comes with a whole new approach. It comes with a whole new service delivery model. And so all of those things that you've probably had many conversations with your other guests on is that. So the government has embraced all this. It's labeled it the digital ambition. It has a new North Star. There's a bunch of analogies I've worked in there. Are we on a path? Are we transforming our shape and form from the old tanker to the cruise ship? So sometimes I like to share the cruise ship analogy because it's it puts our mindset into the right thing. Oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Hope so. Yeah.
1: And it's not a single cargo that has a single purpose. It is. There's multiple purposes that, and every one of them has to be
0: addressed to have a good outcome. That's why I love the analogy, because in this digital mindset, exactly, we have, the government is seen as all these different services. And it's unfortunately too rigidly seen in that oil tanker metaphor. It's this, oh, you're just a middleman. Oh, you're just dropping off cargo. Oh, you have nothing to do with the processing. No, actually, no, that's not it at all.
1: Yeah, and something that you touched on in there was the idea that a digital transformation must affect your product and service itself. And I like that because it disqualifies the simple act of let's say doing a cloud migration or modernizing your hardware, because that doesn't by definition actually enhance your product or service. So would you agree definitionally that we would have to enhance the product or service to consider it a success? The key,
0: the most simplistic way of describing the differences, right? To repeat back your words, but use slightly different vocabulary is the whole user comes first. And if we land this in our information management bubble for a second, like we've always intoned policy comes first. There's a policy, and you need to know it. There's a policy, and there's requirements. There's a policy, and let me tell you about it. There's a compliance aspect. There's requirements, and we are the risk manager We're the for the company, ultimately. We represent the company. And that's a different paradigm when you go from the interest of the company to the interest of the user. And in this digital paradigm for the government, it's always been, you know, policy, therefore, we institute. And now it's Canadian citizen needs this service. So yeah, it's a very major change. When you look at, to me, the parts of this whole thing go down the path of the five components. Sure, you got your tech. There's the old school notion of rules, tools, and people. So rules, tools, and people was always to say, oh, you get those three, you're good to go. I add two more and I steal one. I say there's five, actually. There's rules, tools, and people. There's transformation, which is mindset. And there's content. Now, content ends to be, we think, oh, content is that web stuff. It's everything. We're And you'll see that now in the Treasury Board Secretariat here in the Government of Canada. It's designed itself to have a CDO, a CTO, talent management leader, a transformational leader, and a policy leader. And all five work together to support this transformation in the government of Canada. And that's, and then my little piece of that is inside the people side, where one of the fundamental building blocks is the new job description that comes to it. But back to your main question, your main point yeah, this transformation is huge. It's interesting times that we live in, right? It's the government sh- sh- shape shifting from that oil tanker to a cruise ship. Wow.
1: It implies that our monolithic design previously had nothing to do with the people. Whereas a cruise ship is 100% designed around the people's experience. And I think that's an area where from content services, we always got it wrong. It's like we have the tools and we have the policy. Therefore, you must click 17 times to get the document in the right space with the right taxonomy with the right stuff. That's why your
0: podcasts are so interesting, because our audience for this is ourselves. And we have to, the first step is to understand that. Exactly what you just said. And I find in my conversations over the job descriptions that I'm doing, the tonality that people are bringing to my working groups are, but they need to, and they should, and this matters. I'm like, yeah, not saying you're wrong, but they want tequilas on the deck. Like the whole ship design, but let's go back to that one again. They put the pool, like if you go back to the initial ship designs in engineering, the pools are in the bottom of the boat and now they're on the top of the boat. From a weight distribution sense, that's ridiculous, but that's what everyone wants. I want to be in the sunshine by the pool, having my drink and guess what? They made it happen.
1: And from a, a physics degree myself, and that's one of the crazy things about cruise ships is an oil tanker wobbles fast because of the low center of mass, whereas the high center of mass makes a cruise ship actually more tippy, but that's a better experience for the people because it'll have a slower periodicity and people won't get as sick. So the thing that makes it more dangerous, makes it more pleasurable for you. That's a design for the end user experience. It's kinda interesting.
0: And that's and I think to me what I'm selling when I talk about my change in modernizing the job description captures what you just put in a bottle, which is what we've been talking about now for the last two, three, four years. Put the IM in the background. Put it in the background. Put that whole I am requirements that the boat not tip over and that kind of idea in the background. And it's trying to then shift what we do in this profession to really say, there's another way of doing an awareness session. There's another way of communicating policy. There's another way of baking this in. There's a, Like the biggest change in the government of Canada especially has been in this transformational process is the whole building use and they shall come metaphor doesn't apply. We've just released a new standard that's part of our policy suite that says we manage at rest. We call it now management of information in systems, like systems that manage information. There you go, systems that manage information. And therefore, we go to those systems. They don't come to us anymore. And that changes it, right? That changes what your job is to do. One of the skills we're talking about nowadays is better negotiation skills, a better negotiations because sometimes you're seen as an imperative, an extra cost. How are you going to get that the requirement slipped in? Sounds official that they should have done it, but do they? Not really. How do you convince them? So I find in our own business, this is where a lot of our conversations when we go to different events are trying to get us to restructure our tone, which is back to your question that you had two, two questions ago.
1: When we, when I go to conferences, there's still a lot of talk about applications and it's, oh, I'm a Microsoft certified professional. Therefore I'm gonna help you with your SharePoint. That's your modernization. Or somebody with a library sciences degree will say, I can give you the perfect functional activity taxonomy and make sure your disposal schedules are appropriate. And it's hard to tell them that it's, that's actually, that's the inverse of the priority. Those skills absolutely matter. And we need those at the back end of it as outcomes, but the user experience and getting them to drive the information through their day-to-day lives is what needs to be designed. And then, oh, by the way, then you can do your applications. Then you can do your records management.
0: In my world, I translate what you just said into currently job descriptions. And so the missing job description, funny enough, it's always been there, but let's call it missing for a second, is... We always had, to repeat back your words, a policy and a procedure, and we manifested it that way. But the but the current world in the Qt user design is all metadata. It's all metadata-driven, and this is the thing. And it's funny, when I went looking for models of job descriptions to build into my work, I found one called Metadata Specialist. And I said, oh, that sounds fancy and modern. What is that? And of course, my colleague, my friend who has one over at the Bank of Canada goes, it's a librarian. And I'm like, oh, of course. And but it's so that's why I meant but they've always been there, but they need to be more fostered into the discussion around the fact that the centerpiece of everything is metadata. And also, the biggest change from that perspective is in our to your point is another metaphor I like to use is the goo. Like, we keep looking for the item to put in a document management system, and yet the item is, especially when you look at 365, transforming it's transforming into data, like the use of forms really. And everything else, these are just common everyday tools that we're going to be increasingly use, And we're going to have this old school IM construct that says, are you done with it? Remember early on when we talked about electronic records, hey, when they were dividing systems, we would ask, are they making a PDF? Because if they are, then I'll get it. If not, I don't have anything to do with you. 100% not the case. So our modern job descriptions are the baking in of data and information. And in fact, what I started to do is drop the term information management. And I find that a trigger for old school. And I'm actually calling it information and data functions. And I'm actually labeling it and merging it into these groups. And I'm, the biggest culture shift in there is to show how a group embodied through associations like DAMA and whatever have you, that it talk about data, don't veer into an IT tool perspective, but veer into what we opened up our discussion with, about a digital perspective. And they see themselves as the construct around enablement Enablement because contents enablement. And so the and my point ultimately being the main new job we need is information architecture. We need to blow that thing up and make it massive in our profession. Data architects are popping up all over the place and I notice that they're techie-ish and I need I wish they could become more model-ish and really architect it so that, not to belabor the point too much longer, but here we go, quality is the result, right? Like the quality of our drinks, to go back to that pool metaphor, the quality of the pool water is not going to make us sick. Like all of those quality measures that make the whole system run. So a lot said there, a lot to think about, but that's part of all the changes that are going on.
1: Yeah, like I'll throw out a very specific ex- example and see if it, it comes to your criteria there, is that the idea that uh, what are your business concepts? I don't care particularly what your data points are per se. They're going to support your business concepts, but you need to identify this is a business concept. This is a work order. It has this lifespan. It has this supporting information. It has this relationships. And call it a work order. Call these relationships out the way that they are and then assign retention to it and policy and stuff like that. Whereas I've always found it works backwards saying, like the retention, everything that falls into this bucket is called a one, two, three, four, five, and that's work orders, and uh, and and they list off six things that fit this bucket of retention, and then they get mad when all of a sudden a citation or a policy changes that separates out work orders from procurement orders and other things, and so now we have to change our whole schedule. I think you wouldn't have had to do that if you would have just aligned with the business concept in the first place instead of the data, the, the use
0: of the data. Not that this is going to answer your question, but I'm going to add on to your challenge. In our world, too, there's a term I'm noticing that's coming up fast and faster. And it's it pretends to be a thing. It sells itself as a thing. And you're like, it's that a thing? It's called enterprise data. And I thought, okay, isn't it just data? And they're like, no, it's enterprise data. It's a type of data. And almost like maybe a, arguably a, a subset of data. And... What they're really implying in the government context is you have 112, 100 whatever, 20 entities in the government of Canada, different to de- what we call departments. And I'll give you an example, Health Canada, Department of Fisheries, Government Affairs, on and on it goes. And when we look at what you just talked about, some of the, our practices, and, uh, and what I've associated with this is the OPI, Office of Primary Interest. And when we talk about deletion, we talk about who makes the final call. Like embedded into what you just finished talking about is all these procedures. So that's why I'm adding on to the complexity, because I find in addition to what you've just said, there's this other challenge that's coming at us, which the data folks do not perceive this in this way at all. What they really want to do is have CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency, collect your tax information and then the idea is they have tombstone data on your digital identity or, and I'm hypothesizing about in the, what's the future. This isn't coming out tomorrow so if there's conspiracy theorists out there have a good time with this one, but the theory on the whiteboard, since Essentially, we can share that data. And why wouldn't we, right? Why wouldn't we share this data so that you as an end user experience, like when I go to the bar at the boat, if it knew that my favorite drinks was this, and the data privacy aside, my experience is enhanced. So the logic ultimately with enterprise data is to argue that it can be collected once and shared many times. Who's the OPI in that case? How do we apply disposition? Does anyone pay to care about this stuff? Like, how do we work with this? So I find that in addition to what you're talking about, really some of the work that we need an I am to do is wrap our heads around this type of thinking. Heart and soul of disposition is what I is about. How do you do that in this land of goo, in this land, in this new world order? What I like about
1: it, though, is it's not really rhetorical. Like we say what people should be doing or what people should be thinking about, but then we can make it pretty real with real examples very quickly. I have no problem with multiple copies of things, as long as where they, that you have copies and where they are and how they fit, right. fit together. You know? The reality
0: <laughs> of that, though, is that... <laughs> It matters to me. It's a copy. This is the whole thing. Uh, I love what you said, but Mm -hmm. the reality of that one is when told that, oh, Jason, your stuff's crap. You know that. It's transitory. You'd be offended by that statement. Like, Do do you not know who I am? That's my my data, Trevor. That's mine. That's mine. That's my copy. (laughs) And so the Achilles heel of I am and always has been is CYA. This is the thing that we're trying to remove from the situation. Just to add to that point, what I find fascinating, actually, is some of and and as we embrace this new thinking this new culture as we transform as per your initial question i find it fascinating that in information management when you talk to an end user and you say hey that black book it's the property of the company and they oh no it's not it's mine it's mine and yet when we talk about data that i have not noticed once creep into anyone's vernacular of course data is owned by the organization like we've just we've been trained by meta we've been trained by google to think, oh, of course the data is not mine. Oh, of course this wouldn't be mine. Of course the stuff I'm entering into a form isn't mine. It's an interesting mindset because when you go to a client and you talk about data architecture, they don't have a possessiveness to it that's still a hoarding, like a consequence of all this possessive mentality that they have in information is to hoard, just in case. And so... I find that really a fascinating thing to put on the table for discussion when we talk about the merging of these two worlds, about the kinds of awareness sessions that we would have to be doing in the future compared to what we had to do in the past, which was somehow convincing a user that it wasn't actually there. So it was the companies. Yeah, I'd I'd love to
1: try on some quick psychology, like maybe do a little side quest on this in that uh, I've used the metaphor before that uh, like documents are storytelling of data and you want to extract the data out of the documents and then now you have the data that's in there and i wonder if because it takes somebody's creative artistic storytelling to make a nice cad drawing to make a nice contractor store like document that describes something do you think there's an emotional attachment a little bit because of the artistic nature of that as well
0: Oh yeah, my partner went on a a new digital course for executives here in the Government of Canada and it involved putting on the VR glasses. And that's a gimmick in one sense, but it also is a a plot device and and almost a a game changer. I might go so far as to say that because during the course of her session, she would be asked to put these things on and then the visualization of just, they were using data around how many times you interact with a baby throughout the course of a 24 hour period. And they put it in a a cylinder, so there was, like, types of interactions, length and breadth of interactions, and the 24-hour clock was a round thing. So you put the VR glasses on, you're in space, you're floating around, you can go in the circle. And absolutely, you were perceiving the story completely different than if it was a two-dimensional pie graph chart. And I think, to bring it back to some of the information management things we're talking about today, our whole idea is to embrace a new type of job, which involves and I'll go with this word for now, storytelling. It's an interesting word. We have to dissect it a little bit better. But let's go, and what we think we mean by that word is visualizations, and help the end users in that element. And that's why the merging of our communities involves absolutely data and analysts and data scientists. Now, culturally convincing a data scientist that he's best friends with an iam or we'll see but in the grand scheme of content remember i talked about the five bodies there's the mindset the rules the tools the people but there's the content and it's the skill sets involved in the content that you're talking about the visualization aspect because what we talked about before with the policy and then maybe a procedure and we told an end user go to apply that to your email box that's insufficient that's not going to harness this thing the way we want to, but we can still bake in the requirements, right? We still have a purpose. We still can bake in the requirements as the visualizations happen, what happens to the visualizations. But again, you're getting me excited, Jason. So I think I'm fire hosing you a lot with a lot of thoughts here I have, but I do love uh, the idea that you're bringing up that of idea after idea that we have to reinvestigate in our profession.
1: And thanks for indulging me on that because it is, it does bring up a really good point And back to the rules and tools type of thing. I know that we, I think in our initial discussion, we talked a little bit about why do I drive a particular speed on a road? It's because I feel safe driving that speed. And it just so happens it's close to the speed limit. I'm not driving because it says 100 there, because I'm driving 115 and everybody else is driving somewhere between 110 and 140 because we all feel safe. So the design of the highway is what dictates what we're going to do. It's not the sign. And for IM, somehow we thought we could just slap up a sign and everybody would go this right speed, forgetting that there's emotional attachments to content, that there's desired paths for people, that we probably should be at the other end of that path, catching their information, rather than trying to force them down the sidewalk this
0: way and then that way. Yeah. Your point earlier about the psychology is so interesting because to your analogy of the signpost, then we dressed up the signpost of a speed limit to a billboard that said children matter. And we had different techniques to try to convince us. And it it all came down to am I a 20 year old male or am I a 50 year old male or am I, what type of driver am I? And the psychology I bring to this situation where my self-empowerment is fulfilled by feeling wind in my hair or I'm an old man like me without hair. So I'm like, "Ah, I'll take my time. I don't need to feel that anymore. So this is where the psychology really helps design our messaging. But to your latter point, yeah, I think the best thing for us going forward with the modern job description is to uh, not necessarily maybe de-emphasize, but more importantly, re-emphasize the architectural elements. And I'll maybe even go so far as to call them requirements, but elements that associate themselves to both the visualization and the quality in that architectural bubble. So if you had a policy grouping and you had an operational grouping, I really think the thing in the middle called architectural design has to be really leveraging your word of design, right? Put into the systems. It's possible, it's there. Like the visualization element, the 365 was the most common tool we're using, at least in the government of Canada now. Elements are there, but it's interesting. not, it's a rabbit hole to go down to talking about 365 because the big joke with that is you have, oh, I'm a team on Teams using Teams about Teams. And if Teams, you're kind of like, whoa, yeah, that's true. Like, where am I? How do I navigate this thing? That's where we can accentuate. That's where we can come in and really describe the way of working. So to accentuate your earlier point, the messaging and the billboard and the signs, I find one of the best ways is to be the guide as a new way of working. In a digital landscape. And the digital landscape is more about the tools. And I'll help you with your particular process. So I find for us, it's less about the billboards now. It's more about the cruise ship experience of being a person there to help and serve right there in place. And then the design being the pool is only so big to allow for chairs or the traffic flow and things like that we can be involved in.
1: Yeah, you have to think about, and it's funny, I always joke that you don't get a library services degree or a math degree so that you learn psychology. You do it so that you can design something cool. Unfortunately, you have to know psychology to design something cool. And you talk about M365, which works, like the tools work. And it's especially with partner products, they're coming along with respect to the capabilities. However, it's still like our finding is it's about five to one for I'm five times more likely to design a document on my desktop based upon a previous template that I have downloaded from somewhere and then email it to you than to actually share it the way it's supposed to be shared. So there's still something missing in that design. Even though we call it the preferred thing of today, it's still only 20% of what we do.
0: Well, to piggyback off your psychology thing, one thing I've been fascinated with, and a friend of mine runs this blog called The Deletist, and she talked about looking at a Gen Z worker coming into their environment and email wasn't a thing like she talks in their blog about oh yeah I guess I could use email they were going through she her work tools were chats and other devices and I think the psychology is that they've grown up not being introduced to the fact that email is the center of the universe and I think then we can introduce this psychology element that says I don't need to re-educate you because what you just described is hard-coded into us after decades of working this way.
1: Oh, it started and in
0: 1995. and the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, the, the biggest statement being, of, of course it matters. It came to me in an email. That's how I know it matters. And that is, we tried to, to address that, of course, over the decades, really. I just find it's not going to be addressed until the new generation comes in and, go, and does one of those emails. So, nah, like that's until they show up and take over, then email's still the thing. But I do, I think to your point, the psychology element is... Where I would love to, to prove almost, maybe the word is prove, that we need to understand better how to convince people. And if you can't, then bake it back into the system. The, to your point of 365, I guess I would add one last bit, little bit there is OneDrive. I find OneDrive in that model you talked about is going to be a fascinating experiment. It is so seamlessly integrated into everything of that tool. It is the, you go to PowerPoint or Word right now, you hit save, it's OneDrive, it's just in OneDrive. And I've already seen now managers putting out agendas to everything from their OneDrive. And we know the dangers of this, which takes me back to my, the guide has to be back to your, like you said earlier, the business process. Oh, is a good place to start, but the team element actually is good. And if I could do a shout out or a pitch to MoCA, M-O-C-O, which is a model that, that, that Microsoft put out for modern collaboration, it really positions from the user perspective, the different times and ways you're gonna work. You're gonna work with a community, you're gonna work with your team, you're gonna work as an individual, and then maps the tools accordingly in that sense. And I think that message would be the message we, the IMers, the voice of the way of working, should represent. And but again I, I do it myself, I just called us I would prefer to start to see us as information and data. Just to have a bit of fun in your podcast, toying with different ideas from branding. I like the branding idea. And I said, Oh, are we data and information managers? And I don't like that at all because that acronym spells DIM. So that <laughs> doesn't sell well. Doesn't sell well. And so is it IDM? Is it IDG? Like they've pushed for years to try to say that information governance is the thing. And I'm I've I've said publicly no, not. I've never seen it as an org chart. I've, I think it's a great concept, but we're talking about reality here too. I would prefer to see the merging of this community, the data and the information community come together. But as for a name, just to have a bit of fun, like I said two seconds ago, and for a name, the best I've come up with is IDF. I would love to actually, it doesn't really work, but an idea I was kicking around was Business Information Group. Business Information Group, B-I-G, big ideas start here. But what do I mean by business? So I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. It's,
1: I, it emotes for me. like it, it invokes in my brain the idea that business implies that there's going to be some value-based thing happening. And I do that. Value implies that there's an outcome. There's something that's tangible. And a lot of stuff that we do as information professionals, it's we do projects, but then leadership might say, Okay, you did all this work, but let me see it. What is it? And we're like, you no, know, we moved it from here to here and we added all this value, but let me see what it does and so it'll make you more efficient. So it's the it, business just implies show me something truly tangible as part of this whole process.
0: I'm inspired to try to think of what you're talking about when I frame it under this auspices of enterprise data. And because built into this term is this notion that things are absolutely connected. Things are absolutely shared and the machine is holistic in a, well, for, again, for lack of a better word, a connected way. And that is that is noble because, again, it, it, for all the subsequent consequences of redundancy, usability, certainly if you talk about AI and how we want to be able to use this, the, the claim is you need more data more data, you can't have less data. But you need, and we've always talked about over the last five years, all the sessions and and conferences I've ever gone to have had a very single plenary speaker get up there and talk about the risk of biased data and unethical data and quality data. So to me though, that I take inspiration of enterprise data and what they're asking to help us shift our work from information to, I I used it at the start of our our conversation, but content. I would love a a rebranding of that word, actually. If I could just put a plug-in for someone, like if the French Academy owns the French language, I would love someone who owns our language to actually turn around and go, oh, wait a minute, i am going to redefine content. Because it gets associated with websites, like one-dimensionally. I would prefer to see it as the stuff, all of the stuff we work with, right? We tend to use published, unpublished, all that stuff. But I would love it all because, to me, library operations need to be at the table. When you talk about the interconnectivity of stuff, this is where people... Sometimes because they don't see it themselves. And maybe that's, that's a good thing from the psychology perspective. If they don't see a difference between published and published, maybe they're already in this state of there is already just stuff. And it's we, the information people, who have to, get. No, oh, I'm going to stop convincing you that's published and this is unpublished. I'm just going to drop that whole vernacular. I'm just going to go after content. Maybe that's one of the ways we approach it.
1: Yeah, I do like that because it's hard to pre-allocate metadata for every future intent. It's almost so expensive, it's silly to think that I can just say, now it's published, now it has value, or it's pre-published, maybe it has less value or something, because it's, like even chat, for example, we say, chat, you should be able to throw away, but when, if you're doing a sexual harassment litigation, then all of a sudden, that chat might be really important, so you can't just say chat's not important to your business, so there's you can't anticipate, and in a lot of cases, just knowing how to forens- forensically, and I hate to use the word forensic because it, it implies some type of legal thing, but let's say just reactively, if you can have really great access to your information, like the data people do. The data people don't say you have to do it this way or whatever. They just walk in and say, where are your databases at? Where's your information? Yeah, And, yeah. They, and then yeah. they consume it. You can't anticipate every use of the problem. The data people never even cared about that they're they're just saying where's your data give me your data and but the information people think that you need to pre-classify everything right which is expensive
0: so another change that i i think we need to address in that point is and the reason why i like to say all this is because it proves my point about how we need to be synergetic with data for us in information management we see it as information equals process plus data, or really requirements in a system or in a process equal outputs. And that's the formula. One, two, three. That's the formula. Information equals. And I find for data folks, though, and i the uh, reason why I'm going to say what I'm going to say is because it piggybacks right off your point. They see it as almost a four-step journey, but a three-step journey nonetheless is data plus analysis equals information. So I used a lot of the same words but I came at it from a completely different direction. And in doing so, what you notice immediately is the freedom that your point just raised. They said, let's see what we have. We have this data. Let's see what we can do with it. But first, we have to clean it. That's why it's a potentially a four-step process. If you go to a Statistics Canada course, so here in the Government of Canada, they'll, they're trying to increase data literacy, and so they have a flow, and it's a four-step flow, and cleansing is inside that. But to simplify things, we'll go three steps. So with your content having been cleaned, I make sense of it, which tells back to the word we shared before, story, or what we'll use as information. And so that for them is key. And that for them is to your point about how they free themselves up. Because you might say to them, you don't have all the data. Eh, good enough. We'll get going with what we have and we'll build from there. And that is a mindset that we had. No, there's these 10 requirements and they must all be fulfilled. Success isn't until I have 100% of the outputs managed. It's the same language, different points of view. But I think, we can, I think we can build together. I really do. I think we can build together as we define these new jobs.
1: Yeah, it feels a lot like the early days of the internet with respect to data or content. Let's mash those up for the purposes of this point. In that the early days in the internet, when somebody wanted to build their website or build their interactive thing that people can use remotely everybody thought there were a unique flower. So they customized the heck out of their SAP and their open text and any other system that they had was a complete Frankenstein of whatever because they were special. And quickly you realize that is way too expensive. That is unmaintainable and no vendor and no customer should really be doing that type of thing. So now people are moving more towards this out of the box thinking, what is it that I have? How can I best leverage it? And I feel like that naturally leads in, into data and content, it should be just looking at how what is it, how can I best leverage it, rather than thinking I need to Frankenstein it into something every time to solve every problem or check every box.
0: What you're saying what we're saying is there's these exactly that. There's these conversations going on, and it's interesting for us in our landscape and our prof- different professions, but in part of the same larger discussion, to try to capture that, to build really the best horse and the best cart, if we can use that, or really back to the boat, really build this boat experience. And I'm excited going forward. I'm excited to listen to more interesting podcasts like this one. I'm interested to go to more events. Maybe the world's opening back up. Hey, we can all go to two more in-person contexts. I'm a bit of a fan of that myself, being the extreme extrovert that I am. But I love that idea of having these types of conversations more and more to, to help us define and build and make sense of.
1: Yeah, I think it is necessary and I have a feeling that it's going to be a Trevor Banks or maybe, it, maybe somebody like myself who, if we can agree on the terminology and demonstrate the value, then people will pick up on that. And, they, and we have to keep laying down these beats over and over again in front of more yeah, audiences yeah. to do that.
0: Yeah, the CDO is the the Pandora's box here is to segue to another 45 minutes where we talk about the CDO roles and stuff. But there are a lot of changes in having these discussions in front of that community versus what I will now dub the old school, which is now I'm calling the CIO. And we get big part of the new school of CDO and present them the logic of a holistic picture. And that's, I think, where we're going. I think this is still doable and achievable. It's a holistic picture. Whether my equation comes of from this end or this end, it's still the same equation. And let's do it to, to the effect that you just finished saying around making sure that the content is visual, understandable, available.
1: And if you're only a little bit wrong, then you're mostly right. Like, it's, there's, it's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Yeah, Trevor, it's it's so much fun talking to you again today and I look forward to keep talking with you in the future. How can people find out more about the Canada's digital ambition agenda?
0: Definitely the Canadian government website. The URL I'll give you is extremely long, but if you have links associated to your to the podcast, we'll post it there. We'll put it. We'll put and it. so there's definitely public available information that describes the digital journey that the Government of Canada is on. So happy to share those to make everyone aware of the new North Star that we're going towards. If you want to reach out to me about the job descriptions that I'm working on, please do again, complicated email that all government... We were trying to go to a Canada.ca address, didn't work, long story. You can reach me at tbs.gc.ca. So trevor.banks at tbs.gc.ca. But you know what? We'll put that in the links too.
1: Thanks so much, Trevor. It was great talking to you.
0: Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me.